1: welcome to make it rain i'm your host andrew morton and i'm the i don't even know what i can't think of
2: one i can't Uh, think
1: of relevant one i don't know that was a last minute one for me i feel like that's super relevant so i mean there weren't many options for you no i was trying to go along the
2: like the theme of it Mm -hmm. but i i always just want to stick with my favorite like favorite corgi susan
1: Maybe that's, maybe that's your running name. Maybe you should change your name to Susan the Corgi. Susan the Corgi. We have a very special episode today. Yes. It is the much-anticipated return of the Royal Book Club. Yay, Royal Woo! Reads! We learned to read and we read. We're a little sad today because Sarah Rahoman, not Jenkins, who was involved in the first Royal Reads episode when I was on vacation... She is sick at home today. So, Sarah, this one goes out to you. Big ups to you, girlfriend. We are reading with you in spirit. Exactly. Sarah, I know, would have had so many
2: insights. Uh, Maybe, you know, we'll have a little chat about that one day later to get her feelings. But, yeah, me and Sarah did this podcast, the Royal Reads podcast, about a month and a bit ago. Just because of the holidays and, you know, summer and life happens, it's taken us a little bit longer. But... All of us have read the book.
1: Yes. To be fair, the real reason we didn't do this sooner was because I kept refusing to read a 150-page book because I said I was too busy. I don't really have much going on, so I was just being lazy. I apologize, everyone, for that. Jeez, that's
2: the level of commitment that we're giving to this podcast. Personally, I read the book. It's a very easy read. Uh, The book we're talking about, again, is Diana, Her True Story by Andrew Morton, a... I guess he's kind of synonymous now with royal biographies.
1: Yeah, he is. And this book is weird to me reading it after the fact. Like I would have, I wonder what it would have been like to read this when it came out in 92. 1992. It's kind of creepy. Like we were talking about this a bit earlier. It's it's a weird feeling to read this now um, knowing what you know eventually happened with Charles and Diana and their marriage, and also knowing that she died several years later, it's it's a bit haunting. Um, but in the foreword of this this book, he kind of gets into like a lot of people didn't think this was real, uh, so I made sure it was fact checked. And this photographer came up to me and said he didn't like what I was doing, but then he talked to his sources and he found out everything I was writing was true. So yeah, I mean, he is synonymous now. And kind of at the time, people thought he was kind of a bullshitter. Yeah, they thought
2: it was uh, like blasphemous and a lot of stores refused to carry his work. The version that we're reading is from 1992. Um, it was my mother's ver- like book that I stole from her bookshelf. However, there are updated versions where Morton actually reveals, uh, although he denies it in the version that we read, he reveals that everything came from Diana herself. So what happened was Morton had approached one of Diana's mutual friends because he was working on a book in 1990. The mutual friend said, you know, Diana would want to get something out because as and I think the word they used was retaliation kind of because of everything that was happening with her marriage. So what happened was Morton actually never met with Princess Diana he had these tapes delivered to him through a friend, so he has it on tape, and it was released years later. I think like CBS did, or yeah, CBS or 60 Minutes did like a whole documentary on it. So the crazy thing is for us reading this is that everything is literally what she said, whether it's truth or her perception
1: of the truth. I mean, that's it's just her, her feelings, but it's nuts to know that. And I can see how if you read this book in 1992 when it came out, you could be like, yeah, this is totally made up. Because the way they attribute or the way Andrew Morton attributes quotes to her, it's like Princess Diana said this. And it's very much like, well, who is your sor- source that you could be getting these like actual quotes from? It seems like it's all kind of like uh, she probably said something like to this effect. I I think I would have a hard time like thinking that was authentic if I had just read it, not knowing that she was the source. Yeah, me too. Especially if I was
2: someone who, I mean, I think of like my mom and people that I know who were so into the romance of Charles and Diana and like that fairy tale aspect. To find out that it it was from the jump, not at all what it seemed would be kind of, you know, disillusioning to me about the royal family. And we're just going to say it. Prince Charles does not get a good edit in this book.
1: Let's get into that a bit more. Should we start from the beginning? Yeah, let's start with her childhood. Okay, so the childhood part of Diana's life, which is, you know, kind of revealed in this book, is that, to me, what stuck out is, like, she's had it tough from the get-go. Like, the public perception of Princess Diana was very much, you know, she's the people's princess. She's so effervescent and warm and, like, what a great person, but the truth is that that was her public persona, but she also struggled with so many internal issues and problems. She was bulimic, she was anorexic, she had she, you know, was in counseling for severe depression and she was suicidal at points, and it all kind of began when she was a kid. I mean, she grew up And the other thing with her kind of being like the people's princess, she wasn't a commoner by any means. She was from the Spencer family, which was, you know, a very well-to-do family with royal uh, connections. Yeah. Um, So it's not like she grew up kind of in the... No. This is somebody who's, I think she
2: says her grandmother was like the lady-in-waiting to the queen. They were often invited to Sandringham for holidays. But literally in the first couple of pages, Diana says that she was a disappointment to her parents because she wasn't born a boy.
1: I think the line from her is like, I should have been born a boy. Exactly. I think it like she said she realized that quite young, which is that's really sad. It is sad. It sets up a life of and, you know, her father, like, obviously it came to he kind of came to see her as like the apple of his eye, and he loved her dearly, but it was still kind of like wasn't a boy, and that was a bit of a disappointment. Yeah, there
2: she has two older siblings, Jane and Sarah. Then she, her parents had a baby boy who was, they, they don't get into it, but they just say he was disfigured and ill, and he he died, and then Diana was born, and then her brother Charles, who's the current earl of spencer so i think i really do think it has to do with they wanted a boy for lineage purposes i think like a lot of people can relate to that like i know my dad always wanted a boy so there was that do we try again for another boy because there's already two girls but with diana it became like she internalized that greatly and then Cut to six years later, a very messy divorce for her parents where her mother actually leaves her father for someone else, which I guess in the 60s, you just don't do. Or if you do, it's very, very scandalous. You
1: just don't do it. And it is very scandalous, especially if you're of, you know, a well-to-do family. You're not like the street rat leaving.
2: And I'm not saying everybody should leave their their families now, but I'm just saying back then. But you can if
1: you feel the need to. Exactly.
2: (laughs) If you need to get out, just get out. Yeah, so she's already dealing with a mother who leaves her and doesn't take her with them. Her sisters were already in boarding school and Diana and her younger brother were left in this huge uh, Althorpe estate and she talks about just wanting people to like cuddle her and comfort her and there's a lot of very sad, you know, depictions of her just being just crying and having to comfort her little brother and You know, she says that she was deathly afraid of the dark. And so from a very young age, you get this idea from Diana that all she wants to do is love somebody. That's what I got from it. I
1: want to dance with
2: somebody. Exactly. But, like, don't you get that idea where she's, like, she's talking about how there weren't cuddles, and then, you know, later on she's talking about how she raised her children. So you can Mm -hmm. kind of see, like, this woman was desperate for some kind of affection.
1: And even, like, we'll get into her relationship with Charles a little bit later, obviously. But even in like, why she was kind of drawn to Charles, it was, she had said, like, he's a very sad man, and basically, she felt like her duty was to kind of coddle him and take care of him. It wasn't, it was more of, like, a mothering role, and I think that kind of relates back to, like, she didn't have this when she was a kid, because not that her parents didn't love her, they both did deeply, I'm sure, and there was, you know, in the book, it's kind of, when they divide the kids between the two homes, they both try to make the best of the situation for their kids, but the truth is, like, she was a very lonely kid despite, you know, having seemingly endless life resources. Yeah,
2: and then another thing I found interesting was when they did work out their custody – sorry, this episode's probably going to go long, but there is so much to unpack here. She had this privileged life with her father, and then her mother had remarried this other man, and they kind of lived – A normal life and you really see that that was brought into her parenting style as well another thing I found fascinating is Diana as like a teenager and student she's not the most academic she's not the brightest I mean she says that to herself like she doesn't by any means say that she was dumb or you know was failing school but compared to her siblings she wasn't the shining star in her family
1: no and as someone, like, I, I'm i a fan of Princess Diana. I love the royal family, but I didn't know that, like, she was basically a high school dropout or a, you know, a prep school dropout. She had horrible grades, which is interesting to see her as an adult and, you know, like, this nurturing role she took on with, like, her activism and all the charities she was part of and just the kind of, like, intelligent, well-spoken human she became. It's interesting to see that kind of, coupled with her life of like basically academic failure
2: yeah there's a lot there are some interesting stories about Diana you know getting into trouble because she was when she went to boarding school which I think she like initially refused to do she was dared by some girls to like sneak out of her house and she did that so it seems like she was kind of always maybe not a leader the way that we would have thought she would have been they say that there's a lot of a lot of stories where, They would dare her to see how much she could eat. And so this is prior to the food issues. But the Diana that I had pictured that I would have thought is kind of somebody who was great at everything. And sure, she took dance and she was a swimmer, but that wasn't really the case. She kind of seems like she flew under the radar for a lot of her life. And then it just exploded. We're going to stop here and take a quick break. But when we come back, we're going to get into the Charles years married life, and we're going to talk about a little lady named Camilla Parker
0: Bowles. Stay tuned. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promotate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: In the book, I was kind of confused. Like it it truly goes from like Diana, the awkward teen, to like Prince Charles wants to date her. Now she's married. Like it. I found it. Like, the jump cut from her as an awkward teen to being a full-fledged royal in the book is, like, 20 pages, which is shocking because that's actually kind of how it went. Yeah. Which is, like, it's it's super weird. The whole story there is that, and I didn't know this, Prince Charles actually dated her sister first, Sarah. For, like, nine months. Which is a lot. That's nuts. Qua. Um, and I think it was when they were still kind of, kind of dating, That he spotted Diana and was like, hmm, I'll move my affections onto this younger girl. Sarah seems very anti-Diana.
2: I'm sure she's a lovely person. But back then, the way that she's painted is kind of very stubborn, was kind of like dangling herself in front of Charles, but also, you know, waving around the fact that other people wanted her. And she wasn't as passive aggressive, or not even passive aggressive, but she wasn't as easygoing as Diana. Sarah apparently hired Diana to do all of her cleaning and run all of her errands for like a dollar a day. And people say that the relationship between Sarah and Diana was like Diana revered her. So she would do whatever she wanted. Could you imagine what it would have been like? Like let's think of this in like full house terms. If Michelle had just swooped in and stole like Stephanie Tanner's like boyfriend who's a
1: prince and gonna be king i know it's it's pretty weird but also
2: they don't say that they slept together
1: no they don't but
2: even kissing somebody else that your sibling has kissed that's really weird to me and this is coming from from someone who's dated brothers before (laughs) let me tell you guys from experience boots on the ground it's gross I was I was disgusted by myself. Like it was like steel wool showers, like this is weird. But okay. Yeah, so I'm just saying <laughs> for them to move past that and to just be like, "Oh, and now I'm getting married to him." That's a completely different thing.
1: And the whole thing was a real whirlwind basically. It was like it's just really weird. And if yeah. you read the book, I think that you will also think it's weird. Like their courtship is basically like it's less than a year. It's a few months. And even during it, it kind of seems like Diana's very unsure. And during the initial days, it's like she also meets Camilla Parker Bowles, which is like... Who's married. Who's married. At this time. And this was a particularly interesting thing for me, again, reading this knowing what I know now. It's like from the get-go, Diana was very wary of Camilla and Charles and like their friendship. Like... Charles would ask Camilla for dating advice or for, like, whatever. And there's a part where he goes on a trip and Camilla – Diana's in, like, his his room or his press room talking to him. And Camilla calls him. And she's, like, very torn with whether to leave the room and give them the time to say their goodbyes in peace as Charles gears up for this trip or whether to stay there with. I think at that time he's her fiancé. And she's – in the book, the the source that is now Diana kind of reveals that that was like a breaking point. Like that really broke her and made her like very untrustworthy. Yeah, it's
2: really weird. Also, they're like you said, their dating is odd. It's not like the traditional. You, you go on a couple of dates, out to dinner and things, and you're talking about your life and your stories. These seem very much like kind of tests that she had to pass to see if she could be the one. And to his. I mean, I don't want to be, you know, poor poor Charles or anything. But I'm sure, he, you know, he says in the book, it says that when he turned 30, there was a lot of pressure for him to not only marry but marry somebody who was virginal and, you know, didn't have a a soiled reputation. Like, like he that had to skank be Camilla, yeah, big reputation. <laughs> Just kidding, sorry, yeah. Camille's. But if you think about it. There's a lot of times where it's just Charles, Camilla, and her husband. And I haven't done like a deep dive into this, but they were basically a throuple.
1: It's creepy. It's, it's very it's creepy. It's Really weird. And if you read the book, let us know your thoughts and uh, tell us if you think it's weird. Also, but I think I think most people are gonna agree agree with this. Like to me, the whole their whole dating history was like Charles never really did any work. And again. This obviously is, like, skewed towards Diana's perception and how she saw things. But he basically, like, comes back from a trip and says, like, "Uh, I guess we should get married. And then in all their press announcements, it's like, yeah, I love her. Well, whatever love means. Oh, that cuts my heart. it's, It's just, like, I picture this poor young woman standing there with this prince. And this is supposed to be the happiest time of her life. And he's just like, yeah whatever love means, I like, I guess it 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 seemed very apparent to me that he didn't really want to settle down. And if he did, not maybe with wasn't with her. And it's so weird, because
2: I feel like she was kind of tricked, not tricked into this, but thinking maybe, you know, if we get married, then I'll have him to myself if we do this X, Y and Z. But then when I flip it, and I think like, you know, in my twisted, like, it's more romantic this way. Charles and Camilla's story is pretty dramatic. Like, it's pretty dramatic that they loved each other but couldn't be together. If circumstances were different, maybe they would be together. So from all sides, it looks like nobody was winning.
1: Yeah, and I mean, Camilla is definitely painted as, like, the villain in this story, but that's that's a tough pill to swallow for everyone. Like, to want to marry someone that you truly love and, like, For all Charles and Camilla's issues, I think they truly do love each other. No, I, yeah, I would doubt that he's been in love with her forever. Exactly. Um, So it's like nobody wins in this situation. And to try to say like, okay, well, how about this woman? You can't have the one you want, but you can have this this nice one and you're going to find every fault with her. But she's of good up upbringing and she's probably the right one for you. So have at it, buddy. Like, yeah. that's not great. There's also a point where, when they became
2: engaged, or, you know, like a week before their wedding or something, Princess Diana finds a bracelet that Charles was giving to Camilla with G and F, which is their nicknames for each other. I think it was Gladys and Fred. And she just kind of realizes that this woman is always going to be always going to be a part of his life. Then she also says that as soon as they were engaged, well, the interesting thing is, b- backing up, she talks about her life in London really quickly. And she's 19 years old. And she's talking about like running around late at night with her friends. like pranking. living, Yeah, pranking, uh, running away from photographers. And it's very juvenile. Like It's kind of like the equivalent to like, you know, kids hanging out in a parking lot or hanging out at the park at night because they have nothing else to do. And then all of a sudden
1: she goes to this crazy public life and she's still a teenager. And she's like deeply unhappy. Like in the book, it talks about her moving into Buckingham Palace and how Charles has often gone on trips and engagements and he's got a really busy schedule and she's just kind of left there to wander around. She had lived with flatmates in London, so it's like... She's now alone with all these these royal people, and she doesn't know what to do.
2: Yeah, and, and this is when she says her, her bulimia started. She said a week after they got engaged, she began making herself sick.
1: The whole engagement is bizarrely sad, and I think it was like a couple days, maybe a week before their wedding where she's at the, the bracelet incident where she's like, I want to call this off. And her sisters sat her down and were like, "Well, the tea towels are already made. Like they did all this merch with your face on it. Like it's too late to back out now." Sorry, I think it says in the book like on the wedding day she woke up and it was basically like she had this in- intense sense of dread and just like foreboding that this was basically destined to fail. Like she kind of knew from the get go. She says she says many times in the book, "I knew I was n- I knew I
2: was never going to be queen," and that's what right. she kept saying, but. I think knowing that, and then you look back at footage, because obviously, even reading that, we've been doing so much on the royal wedding, and there was like, oh, well, Princess Diana lost like six inches off her waist. It's like, yeah, because she was terrified and miserable and making herself sick. And then people say that she looked so nervous on her wedding day. Looking at it through this lens, you're like, no, this girl is basically, she says she calls herself a sacrificial lamb in the book,
1: that she's and you can see it on both of their faces. And she keeps saying, like, it's like leaning up to the wedding. It's like, oh, I have, like, six days left of being myself. And then I'm, you know, I'm no longer me. Yeah. That's really sad.
2: That's so sad. I, you know, you don't want to project and think, is that what Kate and Meghan think? Because Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle were both much older than, than she was. I mean, she had days earlier just turned 20. But... To me, there is one moment in their wedding video where they share like a a, a joke, but it's very brief and then their smiles like it's kind of like that Ivanka Ivana Melania Trump where she smiles and then it just drops. And it's <laughs> just so disappointing. And then all of a sudden they're married and it becomes the Diana show and Charles doesn't like that.
1: He doesn't like that and he doesn't like I mean, he's what 13 years older than her more than 13, and he just is very much like he's going to be king. He's all business. Diana is trying to kind of like show her personality, joke around, have fun, and she just doesn't know how to how to act, and he's just like very off-put by that. He like thinks she's immature. He thinks she's not. She's embarrassing, her- I think is embar- one of the she's words. She's embarrassing, um, and all that at the same time like the the bracelet thing before the wedding is one thing. And soon after they get married, Charles comes out to dinner, like, with your new wife wearing these interlocking C cufflinks for Charles and Camilla, which was a gift from Camilla pre-wedding. Like, what the fuck? You can like, the whole thing is, like, Charles acts to Diana like she's insane for thinking, like, him and Camilla are more than friends. We know now they clearly were all throughout, like all the stuff that has come out post this book's release is like she had it right all along. Yeah,
2: there's definitely some kind of sensitivity. Like you remember, like Brad Pitt, as Jennifer Aniston said famously in 2005, there's a sensitivity chip missing here with with Charles. He could have been super real about it and been like, I love her. It didn't work out let's make this marriage work. She's always going to be important to me, but you're important to me now too. But he just, it's almost like when, yeah, he didn't understand why she was getting so upset. And then a week later after they're married, Diana has her first suicide attempts and she slashes her wrists while they're at Balmoral in Scotland. And she says that she did it to get his attention because I guess he can be very cold. Surprising. But uh, yeah, so then she right a week after her wedding that's that's shocking to me because it's, because and it's
1: not the first time or it's not the last it won't be time, the last time which is
2: because there are insane. photos of their their honeymoon and right after that she leaves Scotland to go directly into some kind of like rehab or treatment facility but it doesn't last long
1: at all and this this is a part that really stuck out to me with like Knowing what we know about Kate and Megan and them being very much like the everyday people like Kate goes to Zara and people lose their shit and the dress she wore is sold out or like Megan sticks her tongue out at like a kid and it's like it's so endearing. And Diana in this book speaks about how like she was on the cover of every magazine in the world, basically, and... There's one part where she says, like, she couldn't go and buy a bag of candy without people writing about it. Like, oh, look at how normal she is. Like, look at her doing this normal peasant thing. And that's something that – and how she just couldn't come to terms with that because it was like, this is just me. And for people to be writing about this, it was, like, it was beyond her. And that's how I feel about Kate and Megan. Like, we do that every day because that's – like, people are interested in that. Yeah. And they want to see that – royals are just like us. That's true. I never thought about how it would impact to have to like measure yourself by that all the time.
2: We've talked a lot like just in the office of, you know, would you ever commit yourself to this kind of life? Hell no. No, absolutely not. Especially
1: not for Charles.
2: Not for Charles, not for someone I didn't love and not at the age of 20. I mean, me at 20 had no idea what she was doing. I couldn't imagine to like grow up essentially in front of cameras. One of the things that Diana even says is that she's on the cover of magazines being loved by everyone but she's getting shit from the royal family of when she does have a conversation with someone or when she does make a joke they're saying that she's too giggly, she's embarrassing them but everybody else loves it. But it's this disconnect between what she's supposed to do and then who she
1: who she's perceived as. And obviously the royal family sided with Charles. Yeah. Which she said. And I mean, again, according to Diana, but like, yeah, they would. They would side with the person who's part of the monarchy and going to be the king. And that's about it.
2: Yeah. There's also like, you know how when they do those walkabouts where they, you know, go up and they collect those flowers and they just say, hi, how are you? There was an interesting part where Diana says that she would purposely stay up to date on coronation street and like all these soap operas so that she had something to talk about with people but there was one part where i guess charles was complaining that whenever they would go out in a walkabout if he went into a certain direction he could hear people groan that they had to deal with charles and not her which you would think that you would want your partner to be like yeah you guys love her because she's with me kind of the way that well harry is with megan but it just seems like charles was pissed
1: um, okay, so this chat is getting a little long. Um, I got a lot of feelings. We got a lot of feelings on, it's on this book. heavy shit. It's heavy shit. So we've decided to split this episode into two parts. So you can tune in next week for the second part of the Royal Reads Book Club. Cub? Club? Maybe our... Book um, Cubs. Book Cubs. Little bears carrying <laughs> around books. Like little Paddingtons. Uh, British. British Paddingtons. Uh, so we're going to we're gonna reconvene on this next week. We're going to freshen up our, our memories for the second half of the book. In that part of it, we're going to talk about, obviously, Will and Harry being born and how that may have kind of also been a turning point in Princess Diana's life. We're going to talk about how her relationship with Charles continues to go down the toilet. Um, and there's some other stuff we're going to get into, too. And hopefully, fingers crossed, our treasured Sarah will be able to rejoin us and... Uh, Keep her mind. Give us some hot takes. Give us some hot takes. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that. Um, and in the meantime, you can check us out on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And um, yeah, until next time, good night and good luck. Good night and good luck.
0: Bye!
2: Did you just say yes?
1: I thought you weren't going. I thought you were just theorizing what you are going to say. Sorry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Botox Cosmetic, Auto botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.